And now our feature presentation, Imitating Art with Don and Chuck. Hey everyone, welcome back to Imitating Art. Uh, I'm Chuck. And I'm Don. And here in Imitating Art, we like to uh, review and dissect movies, see if they have any life lessons worth learning. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, Oscar nominee Sound of Metal, starring the ever-awesome Riz Ahmed. Uh, do you want to talk about anything before we get there, Don, or do you want to... No, I mean, no. They're, they tuned in to hear the best of the best of the best, sir. So um, <laughs> With honors. That's what, that's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, but we're not reviewing With Honors, the Brendan Fraser, Joe Pesci movie from the 90s. And uh, here we are. <laughs> which was... <laughs> which was the which was the in flight movie when my parents and I went to Colorado when I was like ten. Wow, uh, you remember that? Yep, because that's the first time I heard of that movie. Anyway, uh, no, we're here to talk about Sound of Metal. Uh, if you haven't seen Sound of Metal, it's as I like to say, it's a very simple story. Uh, it's about uh, goddamn it, what's his name? Ruben Rezamed plays Ruben, who is. Uh, the drummer half of like a metal noise rock duo called Black Gammon. Uh, Good name. I kind of like. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not an amazing name, but I like the name in conjunction with their merch. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so he's in this uh, metal noise rock duo uh, with his girlfriend, uh, whose name is Lou. Lou. And uh, played by Olivia Cook, and his he starts to lose his hearing uh, pretty swiftly. Actually, he loses yeah, really, a lot, really quickly, a lot of it all at once, and then uh, a little bit more slowly from there. Even though he didn't have too much left to lose, uh, and he he wants to keep making music, even though his doctors are saying if you keep surrounding yourself with loud noise, that it's going to go all away, and you're not going to get it back the way that you want to. Yeah, they they teach him about cochlear implants which is what he focuses on, that there's this chance of getting his hearing back, whereas Lou and uh, Ruben's uh, sponsor, because he's a, a former addict, are more concerned with just getting him used to being deaf. I think, they would, I think they would say he is an addict. He is an addict, and they do say that. <laughs> uh, but uh, a recovering addict, I should have said. Yeah. But uh, uh, And he, they just check him into this sort of community for deaf addicts and recovered addicts are hearing impaired maybe i should say who uh are just trying to help each other and you know he doesn't really want to be there but it's kind of the story about him learning to fit in and ultimately learning to uh accept his his loss of hearing yeah and um that was a good recap i like that you ended with the word accept because I feel like this whole movie took the structure of the five stages of grief. You love trying to apply the five structures but of it, grief. But it really does though, doesn't it? Like he was like, movie structures. He really uh, does. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't watching it with that in mind, but yeah, it, it does seem like a, a fairly realistic portrayal of the emotion someone would go through. So I imagine it probably and does. Totally understandably. I mean, losing your he, hearing is he like can, losing a part of yourself. Like you're losing yeah. something very dear to you, you know, As, especially. So for all you storytellers out there, a good 
aspect of storytelling is when the problem directly correlates to who the main character is and what the main character thinks of themselves. He is a musician, music, and his girlfriend got him through uh, his addiction. He, he says towards the end that she saved his life. Um, he, and uh, they never say it specifically, but he's four years sober and he's also been with Lou for four years. Um, so a lot of his personality is tied into the fact that he needs to be able to hear to create this music with the person that he loves. Yeah. Um, so removing that from him is just whether or not you like the movie, it's just good dramatic structure storytelling. Yeah. And they don't, they also don't explicitly, I don't think they really say it much. I think they might've mentioned that she hurts herself Sometimes, mm-hmm. but like in the very, very mm-hmm. early scenes of the movie, you see her arm with like lines of healed cuts down, down the arm. And they're very well healed and scarred over. Yeah. So you can see that they're not fresh and she hasn't been hurting herself recently. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get the impression very quickly that those two are like keeping each other good and like keeping each other, you know, uh, sober and straight and safe. And like they very much are supporting one another. Yeah, and actually, the way she gets him to stay at the community is by by referencing that and telling him, you know, when you hurt yourself, you hurt me, right? Um, and kind of pointing to her scars. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah, like they're just they're good for each other, but they still have their problems of personality that that led to those their situations before they met each other in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I like, I like how they show their relationship in the beginning though. Like, uh, you kind of can't really tell what's going on with them. Uh, it's, it's shown pretty quickly after the gig that they are sleeping in the same bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you realize they're together. Uh, but like he kind of gets up and makes her breakfast and makes the food and everything. And then he kind of like starts messing with her and like tapping his drumsticks on her arm. And like, she, you know, she's waking up a little bit grumpy, but not like annoyed, so I feel like that scene had this little bit of tension in it where I'm like, is is there like a tension in their relationship? I had no idea what this was about, so I didn't know what was coming. So watching that, I was like, oh, is there is there some tension between the two of them? But then like she wakes up, he goes outside for a minute and they come back, he comes back in and they like, they dance together, which is like this really amazing and like intimate scene of them just like dancing and smiling and being happy together in the, in the, the RV. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. like that. Dancing together to some like seventies R and B funk tune or something like that, which seems like the the kind of song that you don't dance to unless you both love it and you both dance to it regularly, probably. Yeah, uh, just one of those like relationship things. Yeah, it seems um, like a ritual, and it seems like you know what I mean. Yeah. I know it's it, it was written in probably something that a writer wanted to be like an ideal relationship mm-hmm. for themselves, but. It does like it's one of those. It's it's kind of funny. Dancing is something you don't really do with somebody. Like slow dancing, you don't really do that with people unless you're at a wedding or at a high school dance. But you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I kind of was like, I, I kind of wish at times there were more occasions to do stuff like that because it's like it's just such a simple, intimate act you can have with somebody to just stand next to them and hold them and dance with them, and then you you talk to each other, you look at each other. And that's it. And you know, it's it's just it's just such a nice thing, and it, it really kind of 
cemented in the in the beginning how like much they care about each other. Yeah, uh, multiple multiple times, Alex and I have drunkenly tried to replicate the final dance from the end of Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, cause that whole clip is on YouTube. So we'll just drunkenly throw it on and then do our best to imitate it with the video. That's how and, the lamp got broken up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not slow dancing, but it is, again, it's that in- intimacy thing that yeah. we like, I can't imagine doing that with anyone else. It's just something we do together. Yeah. Um, that's great. And you guys were not exactly slow dancing or dancing at all. But when I was having you pose for photos last week mm-hmm. and you were kind of dipping her or like holding her and turning her, like I definitely could, I could see that, that same intimacy. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like I love to see that when people are like kind of forced close to one another. And that's, that's what's something I really like about doing photo shoots with couples is that you really see like any kind of walls that anybody has come down when they're looking at their partner that they're in love with. So it's just really great to, <laughs> like capture that if possible. Um, um, One of the things that this is a minor critique that I had, I was wondering if you noticed this as well, but the whole RV ride when they were like kind of showing their, whatever their long day drive, they were having this conversation and it really, it, it it struck kind of weird because they were having these conversations as if they were talking about things for the first time. Like, Hey, this is what I did when I was in high school. And it kept cutting from one to the next. And it felt very much, it almost felt like they were on a first date more than they were four years into a relationship. Um, It was a very brief moment that took me out of it. And I was like, why are they having these conversations? Like they've never talked about these things before. (laughs) And there were just strange topics, I thought, uh, for conversation uh, on that road trip. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really strike me that way. I also, at that point, I didn't know how long they had been together. Right. but, I mean, I guess I know what you mean, but, like... It was just a one-off, like, little thing I noticed, and... Well, I know that there are often times where, like, Alex will tell me, like, a story or something from her past, and either I've never heard it before, or it's been long enough that it feels like I'm hearing it again for the first time. Right. Um, just because, I mean, there's so much stuff from another person's past that... You, you can't remember at all. Yeah. Um, sure. So, so maybe it's just that kind of thing. Yeah. Where it, it, it just, it, it know, just struck me, sli- it struck me slightly strange. It, do- it doesn't take away from the movie at all for me. Yeah. Like uh, overall, I, I mean, I totally love the, the movie and I, and that, that just happened to be a note that I made when I saw it and I was like, it seems like they've been together, but now suddenly it seems like they're kind of getting to know each other. Yeah. Um, but that's all. Yeah. Uh, the story progressed from there and got to the important stuff. Ruben Rizamed talking about how, he always imagined that his dad looked like Jeff Goldblum <laughs> because he thinks he looks like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, well, it's funny because with his blonde hair, I thought he looked more like, what's his name? Tony something, the the guitar player from No Doubt. Oh, uh, yeah. With like the bleach blonde hair. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Tony yeah. No Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one Don't Speak is about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I used to know his, his last name, but. I think it starts um, with a K. Yeah, it is. You're, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I've watched that behind the music quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so once he started losing his hearing, I was very like kind of. I, I didn't realize this what it was about, obviously. So I was a bit 
surprised to see it happen so rapidly <clears throat> like just kind of all of a sudden he couldn't hear anything and like when he was having a hard time hearing and then he went and played the show and you know kind of screwed up mm-hmm. some bits i guess uh it was it's kind of crazy to think that something like that could be such a rapid onset you know yeah i mean i i don't really know much about the realities of a condition like that but i I imagine that sometimes it can probably happen pretty quickly. Like it's like there's probably something within your ear that's deteriorating. That's not affecting your hearing yet, but then, you know, that last straw happens and and things (laughs) collapse or something. And then all of a sudden your hearing just goes away. I don't know much about the structure of the inner ear, but that's never, that's not how I thought it works. So I'm, I'm a little bit scared of it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I was thinking about how loud I like to listen to music for sure, <laughs> yeah. um, especially with my earbuds in. Um, but, I mean, the, the human body is weird that way where things can kind of happen all at once sometimes, uh, yeah. which is obviously a scary thought. And I, I, I've wondered often, like, if I lost my sight or hearing, what that might be like uh, for similar reasons to uh, Ruben, where it's like, you know, that there are things that I love to do that I wouldn't be able to do in the same way. And now I have to learn how to live with that. Um, yeah. And I think about all the, the many concerts I went to before I started wearing uh, earplugs or hearing protection. And I, I wish I had started sooner, <laughs> but mm-hmm. hopefully I have yeah. uh, alleviated a good amount of the damage yeah, that uh, might've happened. Yeah, my earplugs just stay on my keychain that way. If I ever go to a concert, I don't forget them at home. Yeah, because if any, if if any, if I know anything about you, it's that you randomly end up at concerts sometimes. <laughs> well, no, I know it's, you're it's saying more, so you don't forget them. So you don't forget them when you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I do forget things at home. So yeah, no, I I keep mine in my center console in my car, <clears throat> assuming that I'll usually be driving, and if I'm not, I will typically remember to grab them. But if not, I have been like very, um, very much like go to the box office and buy them for buy a pair of uh, the squishy ones for a buck. I hate before those the, before ones. the show. I hate them too, but I'd rather have those than nothing. Like I like the the nice ones that you can buy for like twenty bucks because then you can yeah. actually hear the music a lot better. Absolutely, no, the, the squishy ones just completely block your ears. Totally um, agree. Um, but I, you know, uh, the alternative now, I'm, I'm much more pragmatic about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead of being like, I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to hear the music. But I, I, I try to think of, I want to hear this music for longer in my life. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and suck it up and just hear it all muffled for a while. Oh, you're totally right. There was that one time where I lost one of my earplugs uh, at a concert and didn't realize it till the next concert we went to. And I think you had an extra set of the foam ones. So I mm-hmm. just stuck one of those in my other ear rather than hurt that year yeah by not, by not having one at all and um, our relationship to music is not the same exactly as uh as this character's but yeah we, a touring musician exactly that's what i mean like it's like literally his life but i feel like yeah the two of us also have a strong relationship to music as far as like it being like if we lost our hearing and weren't able to hear the music that we love again like that would severely affect me i know that i would be so sad yeah, like I can't even imagine like losing music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, or like watching movies without hearing. Yeah, the all all of it—the soundtrack, the performances, the yeah, the sound 
design. The sound design of this movie was really good, by the way. I liked yeah, the, I, I like the way they used the sound to to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that they they kind of changed the way they used the perspective of sound. Like they they kind of panned from one character to the other, mm-hmm. um, especially in that one scene where uh, Lou was singing the the song with her dad. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and like it slowly faded from what was happening in the actual scene to, uh, what, what he was hearing to what, uh, what I, I keep forgetting his name, Ruben, what Ruben was hearing like this and like it, it faded out very slowly and just like kind of went back to like that kind of muffled sound he was hearing with his cochlear thing. Mm-hmm. And just like watching that happen slowly, was like, Oh, it's good. It's degrading and degrading. Like I kind of liked that they, did it in like a, a slow fashion where you kind of hear it go from perfectly crystal clear to like uh distorted and, and just completely messed up. And you watch his face when he realizes like he's never going to hear her sing the way that he heard her sing before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he, he got his hearing back, but it's never going to be the way he wants it to be the way he idealized it the entire time he wasn't hearing yes um but yeah his his face in that scene is he's basically holding the same face for like three minutes but it just especially the more that the distorted audio takes over like that the sadder his face seems to become yeah um as he's realizing that he basically wasted all of his time and money instead of yeah learning to deal with his situation Um, and um so when he was first losing his hearing, like realizing that he had lost his hearing. I like that they, like some of the scenes they put him in, they put it like he, he got in the shower and like, you see the shower come on, but nothing happens. Like, or it's like, just like this muffled sound. You, I feel like it started to like, you start to realize all the things you take for granted that you hear as like just cues for what's happening. You know, like you hear the water is on, you might hear a tapping, you know, you, you hear somebody's footsteps when they come up behind you like all the things that you just wouldn't be able to perceive the same way. Um, and I, but for some reason though, the, the shower water really hit me that like there was no sound in the, when he was in the shower. And it's like, I don't know, just like it, the whole thing is just terrifying to think about like never hearing those sounds again. Mm-hmm. I thought it was also kind of interesting slash sad, tragic that, you know, the, the sound mixers and sound designers, there are all these scenes where, it's all, you know, hard of hearing characters who aren't speaking or making any noise, but they still have to fill the, you know, the movie with this ambient sound of like birds chirping and breezes blowing and things that they aren't hearing, but we are just so it doesn't feel awkward for us to watch it yeah. as, as hearing people. Um, and I feel like they, they made a point to make all of that ambient sound like really pretty and peaceful Mm -hmm. and just fun to listen to. And almost to remind us like throughout that these are things that these people aren't hearing that you are. And if you think about it, you know that it would be weird for you to watch this movie if we didn't add this in. So we're making it especially pleasing for you. And that's just the thoughts I had when I was watching it anyway. It's funny. I didn't, uh, I didn't notice those specific kinds of sounds that were happening. I guess I was just like in it and just hearing it, but I actually had a, a separate note that was about the scenes, like especially at the dinner table 
Like mm-hmm. they they went from like the like the completely silent uh, viewpoint of Ruben, and then they cut to the wide shot of everybody at the table, and you just heard things banging mm-hmm. and like forks clanking and like yeah. just like random things like that, like almost like these kind of like it took you you know kind of took you by surprise that like these are all the things you know he's hearing nothing at all and he's watching them communicate while they eat mm-hmm. but then like when they cut back to what you're actually hearing there's these banging and banging on the table and just like knocking and things that they weren't actually experiencing themselves yeah and like the it was hands, just jarring. H- hands and fingers like m- making noise oh yeah when, when they yeah mm-hmm. when they're just percussing for different signs or like um you can hear their mouths as they're, you know, mouthing the words as, as they sign, um, yeah. which is, you know, kind of part of sign language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of noise and, and also when they're signing to each other, this is when he doesn't know any sign language yet. So they very smartly do not give you any subtitles to, to let you know what anyone is saying with, yeah. with their signs. Cause they're, he doesn't understand it. Yeah. yeah, cause this is the movie from his perspective. So we get to be, you know, in his shoes and mm-hmm. not knowing what anyone's saying, what they're saying about him, what they think about him and any of that. Uh, we yeah. just kind of have to, I mean, sign language is a very expressive language and you can kind of infer some of the things, For Sure, but there are definitely things where I was like, what's this I thing that they keep doing when they point at him, uh, which ended up being what, his, 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 yeah, his, his name, his, his name sign. Uh, yeah. And because he and because he kind of looked like an owl. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I like that description of why he was. That was his name sign. Yeah. Um. So I know I mentioned uh, I, I, right at the top. I mentioned the five stages of grief thing, but I the, the, I just I just really like how they were playing his denial in the beginning up and 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 his anger. Like, up, oh yeah, uh, he's just angry at a situation. Of course, like oh, yeah. even if, even if it's not made to be specifically that way, like there's definitely elements of it in there. That he's just like, he doesn't believe that this is going to happen. He's going to the doctor and trying to figure out how he can fix himself. Yeah. And that's his like, I mean, I, and if you want to keep going with it, it's more like, they, like that's his bargaining. Like he's like, he feels like, oh, I, need, I just need to get the money to fix this. And then we go back on tour. No big yeah. deal. Like that's yeah. complete denial. Yeah. Because as soon as the doctor mentions the cochlear implant, he's like, all right, that that's all I got to do. It's just a surgery. How much, yeah. how much is it? Um, because, you know, in his mind, it's. I get the surgery and I can hear the same way I, I always have before. Yeah. And the doctor says flat out, like you've lost 75% of your hearing or whatever it was. Yeah. You're never getting that back. Like you're never going to hear things the way you did before, no matter how loud I make this, no matter how much, whatever, no matter what surgery we do. Yeah. Like um, either, either way, it's something he's going to have to live with. Um, I, I, I just wanted to, Oh, but also when you say displaying his anger, there there is that scene where he's just like destroying shit in the RV because he just doesn't know what to do with all of his anger. Um, But off topic, there's this uh, great little exchange. I don't know why it made me like chuckle so much, but when he's first meeting uh, Joe, uh, the guy who runs the community, who can read lips, so... uh, Ruben is able to just speak to him and they get the great, you know, speech to text software for him so that he can understand Joe when he's talking, which is mm-hmm. far better than any phone speech to text I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> but but it makes sense that those who need it most would get the best uh, equipment. Quality, yeah. But um, they're talking about his um, addiction 
And Joe says, what sort of drugs? And Ruben's response is, what did I take? Like, like he needed clarification for, for that question. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think it was just him, you know, not wanting to, not being comfortable enough to answer right away and using that as a stalling technique. But mm-hmm. I just, I just thought it was humorous that he needed clarification with the question, which drugs? I like the way that they introduce him to all these things too, like the the speech to text thing and like the TTY phone later. Mm-hmm. But also when he just covers his mouth while he talks, and yeah. then Joe's like, "I read lips. You got to keep your hand down." Basically, you know, like yeah. just like kind of realizing these things for the first time, to being like things you don't realize when you, that you do with your hands or with your body that affect the way that people who are reading lips are going to you know, be able to understand you. Yeah. Yeah. And that when, when Joe was first showing him the, the speech to text, uh, computer and Riz Ahmed's face is just like, I, I do not like this. I do not want this to be in my life. This is not what I want my life to become. Yeah. And I actually love um, that. I love those scenes where he's communicating with him through that thing because he is like staring Joe in the face when he says some things that he knows he doesn't want to hear. And he just stares him down for a couple of seconds before you finally see his eyes go slightly to the side and read the text and just like, he knows what it is already. But he looks over like it again, like he reluctantly looks at the text and goes, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and again, I think just hating the idea of of needing this type of device. Um, It, it, he kind of looks at the computer the way that Lloyd Dobler looks at the pen in, in say anything. (laughs) <laughs> with, with just so much anger and hate yeah um i i uh i mean i guess it's very much like as if like if you had to walk with a cane or you know like wear bifocals or like any anything that makes you feel like you're just get like you're losing something that was such a so, something you took for granted as something that you have as human you know what i mean yeah. like something that makes you feel like you're getting old or losing your faculties yeah, luckily I got my glasses when I was 10, so I didn't have to look at them like that. I was like, oh, I'm getting this cool new thing. I will I've say. Seen, I've seen people with the glasses on TV all the time, and now <laughs> I get to be one of those people. I do. I do. I definitely like kind of take it for granted at times, but there's sometimes when I look at my contacts in the morning when I put them in, and I'm like, I am so happy that these exist because <laughs> I would hate wearing glasses all the time. Uh, I Not because I, of the way I look, but because of the way I act and like sweating and running and doing all the stuff outside with glasses on just sucks you get used to it i guess so. <laughs> but uh i can't do contacts because i can't physically put something in my eye every day it's just yeah it's not in me that's because you didn't put it in <laughs> <laughs> ha 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 uh, anyway. uh also like um you know, when, when Ruben decides to stay at the community because Lou talks him into it, um, they take away his, his car keys and his phone, which are really like his, his last lifelines. Yeah. Um, like the, the only connections to, to his old life. Um, and, and Lou. He, and Lou. And he doesn't want to give them up. Uh, but he's kind of at that point resigned, so he, he does. Um, but, but that scene where he says where uh joe says give me your phone and he puts his hand out and uh and he say he goes we're not doing that 
Yeah. <laughs> and then Joe just kind of like holds his hand a little farther out and nods his head and goes, mm-hmm. And then he's like, fuck, okay. And then he puts it in his hand. I, like, I loved that there was no actual verbal communication after he said we're not doing that. And he yeah. just kind of was like, hmm? Check the name tag, lady. Uh, <laughs> you're, my, <laughs> you're in my house now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, that was great. Um, yeah, Joe was great. Um, but let's, if you don't mind, talk about Lou for a second. Okay. I was trying to think about this from her perspective in that time where he was, she, she was like telling him, and I didn't even know the, the depth of their relationship and them like helping each other as much at that point. Right. But I was just trying to think about Lou as someone who is, whose partner is losing, you know, watching somebody lose their, their hearing has got to be horrifying for that person as well. Like you can't communicate with the person you love, you know, yeah. you have to relearn how to communicate with somebody and, and not only somebody that you love, but somebody who is basically keeping you, sober or from self-harm you know like you have to you've they've lost something so fundamental that they are no longer in the position to do that thing for you or for themselves that they were doing before so like her decision to leave was like for i mean obviously it was for both of them it -hmm. was for for him and for her like he knew or she knew that if she stayed that he probably would continue to like be longing for this life with them just and kind of denying what's happening. Whereas if he stayed, then maybe he could get immersed into this thing and just kind of finally accept it. Mm -hmm. So that was like this horrible, but selfless act that she took that she did to just, you know, tell him, I, I just need to go. And like, you can't support me and help me if you can't help yourself, like, or until you can help yourself. So, like, watching her do that was kind of heartbreaking as well. Yeah, like, that That was a great little moment where it was, like, clear that, you know, there's this painful thing that he doesn't want to do, even though it would make him better, and that it, it was just as painful for her because, you know, for multiple reasons, like, th- this is their source of income, mm-hmm. and so it, it, it's just as harmful to her career, uh, potentially, as, as it is to his. But also, you know, this is someone she loves and she knows this is going to hurt him and knowing that is hurting her as well. But yeah. she's she understands that this is what has to be done in order for anything to get better. Yeah. And it's also one of those situations where when you're going through it, you have to at least have the thought that things might not ever be the same between us by doing this. But this still has to be done for both of us. And she clearly understands that, um, even though she like she's a great character, even though she ends up barely being in the movie. Uh, but for that scene, especially, uh, yeah. And, also, and, and Olivia Cook is is great. Uh, she's in Bates Motel uh, as uh, a friend of young uh, Norman Bates, uh, hmm. and I think I think she's actually Alex's favorite character uh, on the show. Um, I was going to say, I think also she has to be like weighing her options there and realize that even though things may never be the same between them, if she leaves, there's a very good chance things will never be the same 
if she stays also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like she had to like be like, well, what's best for him and for us as well? Like things may not may get worse if I stay. So the best chance he has of getting better is for me to go. Yeah. Yeah. She at least has the maturity to understand that if, if he doesn't get better, he's only going to get like, he's only going to get worse. Like those are his two options. He's either going to get better or he's going to get worse, especially knowing his personality and the fact that he's already started being destructive. Um, and he's already going back to, I guess he, he, he wasn't smoking before either. And she saw him yeah. smoking and she knew that he's going back to like this, the tendencies that he yeah. had when he was, uh, when he was using. Yeah. She doesn't want him to spiral. And that's why she contacts his, you know, Hector, his, uh, his sponsor. Right. Um, but also the way that we see that she handles it after she does leave, um, actually really like, you know, one of the catalysts towards the end of the movie that makes, um, Ruben decide to sell all of his stuff and get the cochlear implants is that he sees posts online about her performing in Paris. Right. Uh, use, and we don't actually get to hear it, but we get to see that she's using, you know, like sound switchers and like noisemakers and, and, and things like that to help her so that she can do it on her own. And, and I really appreciated that she didn't, replace like she didn't find a new drummer and replace him with a new drummer she Mm -hmm. found a way to make the music on her own um uh because i mean he still you could tell he still thought of it as a betrayal which is why he went ahead to get the cochlear implants uh because uh he needed to be back in that band uh to prove that you know he could be there and she needed him but it I feel like finding any way possible to not get another drummer and just have it be a solo act is the complete opposite of a betrayal. Yeah, I think so too. And And I I really love that she decided to do it that way. Yeah. I will say it did briefly remind me of the artists we saw upstairs in Philly before regarding not architecture the one time. (laughs) Yeah. So I I was actually going to talk about that because that was a noise rock artist as well. I, 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 can't remember if he was before or after, but I do remember that was the first time I wore earplugs because so, you know, guarding not architecture is this is a solo act uh, by a woman named Sarah Saturday, who uh, I enjoy. And uh, I got Don to come with me to the show. And uh, before, wasn't Sarah like you're going to need these. <laughs> yeah. So before this other the person she was touring with, uh, who went by the name of uh, Yards, went on and we didn't know at all at this point that he was like a noise rock artist. Um, She came over to me and handed me, you know, those foam squishy earplugs. And she was like, here, you're, you're probably going to need these. And then like, she showed me how to put them on. And then, Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that was Um, the first time I knew how to put them on. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly as you just demonstrated visually to the people listening. Um, <laughs> you pull your arm. ear back with the opposite arm. Yeah, you put your arm over your head, you pull your ear back, and then you get it in, and yeah. then you let it expand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and it was, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a noise rock or a noise art person. It just wasn't for me. But I was glad to have the earplugs because it was very loud. It was. <laughs> but I, I was like when I heard their music at the beginning, I, I thought of that artist because it wasn't completely dissimilar. This was more a heavy metal version of it. Mm-hmm. He had he he had like a synth version, but it it was 
I, I would say they're in corresponding genre. They're in, they're in the same ballpark, at least. Yeah. <clears throat> actually, um, I, I actually have that note in here about the Sarah Saturday earplug story. I'm glad that we both <laughs> uh, thought of that. <laughs> uh, so what did you think about him destroying that donut? Uh, I didn't have any specific thoughts about that donut. Um, actually, even right now, I don't remember exactly where, like, what sequence that happened in. So that was was when that was that the was... first time that he went into the room? That's right. Yeah, he was. It was the first time he was in the room, and he like sat the donut down, and he just got like like looked at it, and then he smashed it with his fist. Yeah, and then he put okay. it back together, and then he so, smashed it again, and put it back together. Yeah. So let's talk about the room for a second first, yes. because Joe so, re- recommends Johnny is. An, oh, sorry, Don, you're tearing me apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, uh, Chuck. <laughs> uh, we should do that one day. But anyway, <laughs> we definitely should. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's talk about that room that Joe do, gives him. Don't watch the room. Or do. No, do. Anyway, do. <laughs> uh, I would not recommend it. Don likes it. Anyway, um, so Joe recommends that um, Ruben, who gets up early every day anyway, uh, you know, get a cup of coffee, go into the room for a bit, just sit down with a notebook and just write. Like, write um, whatever. Before we get into that, actually, I want to talk about the catalyst for why he gives it to him. It's because Ruben was on a ladder fixing... The oh, yeah. eve of the of the house and joe like called him out on it and he was like what are you doing nothing here needs to be fixed the only yeah. thing here that the, you need to work on is yourself like yeah. you are deflecting you need you need discipline you don't need to be like trying like looking for other stuff to work on you need to work on yourself yeah so that's why he gives him this room idea yeah and so he just wants him to sit down and, and just write you know, for for a little while every day. It doesn't matter what he writes; just write his write down his thoughts, um, just to have that time to you know sit with your thoughts and you know be with them. Have, have be comfortable in in silence, yeah, uh, or be just be comfortable alone with with no distractions, because Ruben is someone who needs distractions. To you know, he he's an addict, so he needs something to distract him from those tendencies that that lead back to addiction yeah um which is why he stopped him from fixing the roof because he was obviously just trying to distract himself from what was going on yeah um i think we can all do that i mean we can we can most of us can probably relate to the idea of i'm going to clean the house and then you end up organizing everything in one drawer and it's nine hours later yeah or or like well this one drawer is done (laughs) yeah anything yeah um Sometimes it's just, I don't want to think about what I want to think about. Let me throw on a YouTube video, and then it's nine hours later. Nine, um, nine hours later, yeah. Or, or browsing Reddit for nine hours. But, yeah, it's, it's always something, whether it's constructive or not. Um, but so, yeah, he gets into this room, and rather than write, not draw, Joe specifies write, um, he attacks this donut. Yeah. Um, and it's... I, I I mean, I really think it is just that discomfort of being alone with thoughts you don't want to be alone with um, because you have nothing to protect yourself from from yourself. It, it's just nothing but pure vulnerability at that point. And that, that can be very uncomfortable. Definitely. 
Are you trying to say that sometimes the donut is just a donut? Am no, I looking I'm, into I, it too much? I know no, I didn't actually no. talk about what I thought it meant. No, I, I mean, <laughs> clearly the donut is kind of himself. Yeah, he's putting uh, himself back together, but he's never going to look the same. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, no matter how you cut it, whether it's that specific, which it, it probably ways, is, other ways. Or, or just him kind of constantly destroying himself. Uh, yeah. And I mean, like you said, he... He he's already put himself together and is destroying himself again. So he probably doesn't. Now that I think about it, he probably doesn't want to put himself together again, only to end up getting destroyed again. Um, true, that's true. Now that I think about that, <laughs> um, um, I always like to try to look into those little things that I'm like. Oh, well, this I'm is like the this kind of movie where the it's there on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so. Yeah, and briefly after that is when he kind of sneaks up. He's he's able to sell the RV uh, with the caveat that he can buy it back in eight weeks for ten yeah. percent more if he wants to. And oh, also, Ruben knows how to pawn stuff. And I wanted to ask you. Uh, I now I don't know for sure if this is the case, but I, it stuck out to me when he said this when he was selling the RV to that guy. He the the guy said, "Why would you want to do that?" Or something to the what when he pitched his idea to buy it back within eight weeks the guy says something to the effect of why would you want to do something like that and he looks at he looks right at him and he says i'm deaf take it or leave it you know just tell me yes or no and i was like i couldn't remember if this is the first time he actually said the words i'm deaf like if that was like the beginning of his acceptance you know what i don't know but because any other time he said i can't hear you he would be he kept saying i can't hear you but he, i don't i don't, I don't remember true. ever hearing him say i'm deaf before that I I think I think you're probably right. Although to be fair, everyone else he had to say it to was someone who he was a lot closer with and or, or who knew the situation more intimately. Mm-hmm. But I I think you're right that that's the first time he said he was deaf. I'm not sure it was as much acceptance. It was, it was like on the road to acceptance, probably. Right. But it was him. It was using it to his advantage. Sure, but I feel like that, I feel like the being able to like saying that as like a quick a quick thing was like a. A, a good step on his road like he was already oh, well down sure. his road oh yeah like he, he had started learning sign language and uh yeah. teaching and he was the teaching kids the to kids drum. And, yeah yeah um yeah he was making a lot of positive steps there so but i i that that did i did notice and i thought i wonder if that's the first time he actually said that because i don't think i've heard him say the word deaf before that i didn't even notice that so that, that, that was a good catch um and but, the, you know second half of act two so that's the perfect time for that to happen right um <laughs> uh but then, yeah, he gets his implant and he comes back. And when he admits it to Joe, like that, that was a hard scene when Joe had to kick him out. But, you know, Joe has, he makes a great point that there's too many other people here to worry about. Like, you're not alone. You know, you're, we're all in this together here. And there's people that need to be reminded that they're not handicapped. They're not broken. They're not here to be fixed. This is, you know, they're accepting who they are. And with with him doing this, like doing this thing to, to fix himself or thinking that he's going to fix himself, that really doesn't jive with Joe's whole like lifestyle there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. And then he even told him, you're acting like an addict right now. Like, oh, yeah, um, that was great. I mean, that was that was hard. That was a hard to wa- scene to watch, but it was also really like kind of a, a really powerful scene as well. Yeah, which Joe knows about. We, we haven't mentioned that Joe was, you know, a recovered alcoholic. Um, yeah. A, a lot of the people at this community, like we said, like it was there for uh, 
hard of hearing addicts. Um, So, you know, Joe knows a little bit about what uh, Ruben is is going through, um, which is why he also kind of understands, like, he he can't really help him right right now. He he needs too too much attention and there are too many people to worry about, um, as you said. Um, And also... Ruben's still in a little bit of denial at that point because he doesn't think he's acting like an addict and, you know, he thinks he's just doing what's best for him and he's wrong, but, but it's what he thinks at least. Um, one thing, did you notice this detail that, uh, at the beginning, both, uh, Ruben and Lou had parts of their hair dyed blonde, like bleach blonde. It was Lou's eyebrows. And Ruben's head was dyed bleach blonde. And, you know, after, after he gets the cochlear implants and he gets kicked out by Joe, he kind of shaves his head off. But by the time they get back together at the end, that little, like, connective tissue, which I assume was done on purpose for, like, the band's image to have that, like, connectivity visually, mm-hmm. uh, it's gone. But, uh Lou's eyebrows are back to her natural color and his his hair is back to his natural color. And so that visual connection that they share is is gone when they get back together. So and I did notice I did notice the eyebrows in the beginning, but I did not notice their return in the end. Yeah, yeah. They're they're back to being <clears throat> like she, you know, she's a brunette, they're back to being brown by the time he he finds her again. <laughs> uh and, you know, they are no longer as connected when they meet back up as they were at the beginning. Hmm. That was a good catch also. I did not notice that. Yeah. I, I mean, again, like you said with the donut, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but again, th- this kind of like Oscar nominated movie has I don't, I don't details like are, that yeah. on purpose. So like cutting his cutting, like shaving his hair, shaving his head, even though it might've been somewhat just utilitarian with his scar and with his implant, he also was cutting away part of his, previous life and i felt like that was what that that's what i read into that yeah like like, now now with the connection that makes way more sense yeah like shaving a head in movies is almost always like a cleansing act of of some sort for 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 the character yeah we've seen the end of season one of breaking bad yeah or or (laughs) um uh god damn it why can't i remember the royal tenenbaums Mm -hmm. right right before luke wilson's character uh attempts suicide he shaves his head um you know, getting rid of the former self. Uh, but yeah, um, that was my point about their activity. Yeah, that was, that was a good cat. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't notice that about her. So I'm glad that, that, that definitely takes it up a notch from what I noticed. Um, yeah, but then, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting and it happens really fast when they see each other again and they meet each other. Cause I, I got the impression that he was going to ask her dad for money. Oh yeah. Well, he basically said he was, it. yeah, he told and Joe, <laughs> He was gonna ask He's loaded. for the money. Yeah. yeah, and then like then when he sees her, like they they go through this kind of emotional connection where like they kind of start to fall back into their relationship, but then they both like she kind of pushes back against it, mm-hmm. and then they have that conversation where you realize he's like still hoping that things can go right. They can jump right back into where they were, get you know start on the tour cycle again, and start uh, start recording the album, and then she just kind of sits there silently like her silence speaks volumes in that set in that scenario where she just kind of looks at him and just 
yeah. nods like knowingly and he picks up on what she's saying without her saying anything which oh, is yeah. amazing the 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 moment she hesitates because i'm sure she's always been gung-ho for getting out there and, and playing music so the moment she hesitates he he gets to have his sean in, in goodwill hunting moment where he's just like it's it's okay yeah and she's like, yeah. what, what's okay? And like, she doesn't want to admit it. She's, she kind of starts tearing up a little bit mm, yeah. because she wants him to say it, you know, kind of so she doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, I really like though that, that important moment where he had to realize that it wasn't going to happen was conveyed without her saying any words. Yeah. And like, that's where, that's where he got the big information just from looking at her. Like he's, Maybe that helps him realize that he's able. He might be able to continue on as uh, as a deaf person, and with, with and still be able to pick up on visual cues and you know and understand people without being able to hear them the way he was before. Mm, that's a great point. Actually, I didn't pick up on that like thematic element. That's great, um, but also it it's. Now that I think about it, it's kind of a reflection back to the scene where she left earlier because she knew it was the best thing and then the the because it was going to hurt both of them if she didn't and now he gets to have this moment where he realizes that if he pushes on with this idea it's probably going to hurt the both of them so he gets to be the one that to say you know what it, it's okay we don't have to do that yeah uh, and then and then he leaves yeah he leaves and he sits there and he he finally gets comfortable sitting in with silence. his own thoughts yeah <laughs> in stillness yeah yeah um, um well <clears throat> the um in stereo usually represents break time yeah <laughs> <laughs> actually you know what i like we, we kind of went beat by beat but it didn't feel like it not like it didn't no, look smart but i but i felt like we had to in a way with this one because i felt it, it builds in such a way oh, that yeah. it makes sense to go chronologically yeah, so with that said, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with some lessons. See you later, City Slicker. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's close. It's better than Jobin. Now that my butt is no longer numb. <laughs> uh, now that my butt is no longer numb. Title of your sex tape? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Indeed. Mm. Well, all right, teams. All aboard. It's time to go over segment two. Why the long hair? Lessons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ease in. I'm just easing into lessons. Quiz on your face. <laughs> Big disgrace. <laughs> uh, shakedown. Shakedown, right. where are you? <laughs> Is that our second TV movie? Yeah. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> it could be our first. Do we have a first TV movie? <laughs> We'd have to. Okay. We have to introduce Shakedown in the first place. <laughs> it, it does. It could just be the search for Shakedown. That's true. The search for Shakedown. Yeah. Yeah. It's Shakedown, where are you? Colon, the search for Shakedown. <laughs> yes. One. 
Part one. Part one. We're not going to say part one of how many because we don't know how long it'll take. Yeah, I don't know. It's very bold to st- to have a movie be called part one. <laughs> it's not if it's not adapted from a book series or something. Yeah, yeah but but I'm okay with it. It's like saying it's the first annual something <laughs> anything. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I never thought of it. Like <laughs> uh, you guys are just planning on doing this every year. You're really hoping this one's going to take off, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, it's better than calling it the only annual. <laughs> the inaugural and only <laughs> ice sock hop. That might be enjoyable. It could be. It could to, be, to watch it could be enjoyable for anybody not on the ice. Yeah, I was going to say, I would like watching people dancing on the ice to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As long as it's thick ice. I don't want to see anyone fall through the ice. Uh, no, I don't, I don't want to see, see them fall on the ice. Yeah, I, I don't want them to be injured so that I can feel secure and laughing when, when they fall. Yes, but, please wear helmets when you do this. Yeah, and uh, butt cushions. Well, since Chuck said butt cushions, I guess we should get into lessons. <laughs> Start with the butt and end with the butt. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this is clearly the kind of movie that has, like, some deep, like, thoughtful lessons. Like, some of them are put there. A- any movie that has to do with addicts or AA or anything like that, any kind of support groups, are going to have some of those, like, lessons baked in as well. And, I mean, like, Joe has some of those, like, says a lot of really poignant things throughout to try to help uh, Ruben get through the moments in in his like struggle there, and it really like, they they come back in the in the very end. Like obviously the big one is what happens at the very end, where he actually sits there in his, in the silence and the stillness after he takes his implant out and just sits there looking at the things around him and accepting them and fe- you know just feeling them in silence and and looking at his surroundings and. I think that's a really important lesson, no matter what your situation, to just sit with and be mindful of what's going on around you and don't always fill up your time with something to distract you. You have to like look at what's going on around you. Yeah, that mindfulness is just a good practice for, for anyone. Uh, you know, it's it's even though it happens to all of us, it can be unhealthy to always need like the TV on or music on or or something so that it's not just you and quiet. Yeah. Or Uh, Instagram or TikTok or whatever social media you want to say that you scroll through all the time. Yeah. Because just that, like I said uh, earlier, there's just that discomfort in being with your thoughts um, because that's when you really start to like confront yourself and none, no one wants to do that. (laughs) it's not fun it's it's the opposite of fun almost always uh and like one of the thoughts i had about him you know being an addict and not being able to sit alone in a room and wanting to fix things is that uh you know distraction you're usually looking for a distraction to distract you from the world but they also so often distract you from yourself as well um which is, you know, part of Ruben's problem. It's probably why he's an addict in the first place. Uh, it's why he needs this other addiction of, of music to n- not get back into drugs. B- 
because he needs to just not be with himself because when he does, he doesn't like it. And then he needs something like drugs to take him away from that. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think how uncomfortable it can be for us to just sit with our thoughts silently for quite a while. Like we're always just looking for something to kill time while we're standing in line at the grocery store or, Mm -hmm. you know, anytime we have where there's downtime, almost always without, without fail, we're looking at our phones, looking for something to entertain us or distract us from just looking at, you know, looking around at other people or looking, you know, observing the world or just staring off and letting your mind wander. And I feel like losing that is like something that is, could be very harmful to us as a society <laughs> and individuals, like not seeing each other literally or figuratively, but also just like not taking the time to examine yourself and like sit with your thoughts. Um, you know, I, when I have time to do this and I go out, and hike or whatever, you know, I sit in an overlook and just look at it and just take it in when I'm not actually, you know, and sometimes I, do, I intentionally don't take my camera with me because I'm like, I, I just want to experience the sunrise. I don't want to be thinking about all the technical stuff that comes with photographing a sunrise and finding a composition. I just want to watch the sunrise and listen to the waves and just hear the quiet and just, you know, be at peace for a little while. <clears throat> and my, my like, mindset is always geared toward finding the a photo or something in those situations so i have to like force myself to not do that sometimes and i always whenever i do it i always appreciate the that moment of calm you know that i get to just sit and experience and i realize how how few of those times that i actually do take you know and i and i want to do it more yeah. And I'd say you're actually kind of lucky that you do get to uh, experience the calm when you seek it because like, uh, you know, I, I used to be much better at just like being alone with my thoughts, you know, but before cell phones and whatnot, it's actually one of the most valuable lessons I remember learning from my uh, like intro to Zen Buddhism class in, in college. Uh, was just being mindful of being alone and and not seeking distraction all the time. And then, you know, smartphones happened. Uh, But so I need to get back into trying it and like trying meditation, uh, which is just the the same idea of just trying to find peace in the moment. But it's interesting how when you actually attempt meditation, you discover how impossible that can actually be. Because you think of... until you try it, you think of meditation as being this peaceful, calm, quiet, just just sitting alone. And you, you don't realize that once you do that, you discover how little control you have over your thoughts and how distracting they are and, and how hard meditation actually is and how often you're having thoughts that you don't necessarily want to have and you can't just shove them away or else they come back even harder. And... It's this whole, I mean, it's why it was so difficult for Ruben. It's just this spiral and you just need to keep doing it and practicing it for it to ever become easier to do. And so few of us do it. Yeah. And I mean, and you can't expect to come to terms or accept 
a situation if you don't take the time to sit and think about it and deal with it. Because if you don't, if you distract yourself from it all the time, you can keep on living in denial and believing it's not there, pushing it away. And, you know, you need to actually take that time to work on it and think about it and accept it and realize it is part of your reality and imagine, you know, imagine yourself in the future living with it and then you might be able to accept moving on. Um, yeah. But, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the alternative to that is that it you can also take that time to discover what, why you're happier if you're truly happy and like become happier about the things that you do have too. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hard to understand how happy you are unless you take that time as well. Yeah. Um, and Joe says, <clears throat> Joe says it just passes, like it passes things. And I, I don't know if he ever says anything but besides it, but I mean, you have to assume he's talking about life passes, time passes, grief passes, you know, all this stuff will pass. Um, mm -hmm. And part of that, I think, is like while you're focusing on yourself and mind being mindful of what's happening to you, um, realizing that time is passing. But for for Ruben, he has to also realize that time is passing for Lou also, like mm -hmm. separate from him. Like she is, you know, he he's realizing when he checks the Internet and sees her performing that show, like he realizes in like a, a negative way that time is is moving on and she's continuing to live her life without him and maybe finding a way to live her life without him yeah. and like th there's there's got to be like this acceptance of the fact that other people have the same challenges and the same right to like live their life separate of you also like maybe things have things will definitely change between the two of them but he's like not really willing to accept that just yet and he wants to do anything he can to get that back so he's not quite ready to go over that hurdle just yet. Yeah. E even though in this time he's been making so many positive changes, he's learning to live with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not being able to hear, he's finding some sort of happiness. And then, but then the second he realizes that Lou is moving forward as well, it just all comes crumbling down again, because he doesn't have that ability to accept his thoughts. And, and deal with his thoughts. He just acts on them the moment he has them. Yeah. And he's trying to find that. Like, I think Joe's trying to help him find his impulse control with the simplicity of sitting and thinking and writing. Yeah. It's just meditation, man. It's been around for ever. So wait, I just think I just sit and think. Yeah. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know what, when you do it and, and people, if anyone actually, if most people witness someone actually meditating and being okay with just sitting and thinking, they would think it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see that. Why aren't you looking at your phone? What are you doing? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's definitely something like I, I, I used to do a little bit more of it when I was into yoga more often. And it is something that I actually, I have on my, my calendar right now. Uh, like a link to a like a code for Headspace mm -hmm. for like a free month of Headspace, and I, it's it's an app I have tried before, but it's something I want to try again. 
Yeah, I, I guarantee you, you can find plenty of like free podcasts and YouTube oh, sure. videos and uh, things like that. There was actually, I used to listen to uh, a podcast called Zencast, and they have a bunch of uh, me- like guided meditations or just meditation timer uh, mm-hmm. audios. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just, I meant it. I, I just meant it just to say that I, I, I like, I'm actively planning on trying to do it while, especially while I'm on the road to like take time out and not always be like just hopping in the car and going somewhere else. You know, I want to take, take time in places. Yeah. I'm always actively planning on like trying meditation again. I'm just never actively meditating again. I saw this thing the other day that was like (laughs) every, uh, every goal I have, uh, expects that when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be a completely different person. (laughs) Than yeah. I am today. Well, we just need to get whiteboards. <laughs> that, that way, we have to face it all the time. Uh, it's too real. I've gotten, I bought whiteboards two different times and never used them to the effect that I thought I would. Yeah, the only thing I wrote on there was "fill out whiteboard." <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. um, uh, anyway, I think that that's really the the main lesson of mm-hmm. uh, besides you know acceptance. Well, it. It's all wrapped in together because it's acceptance of who you are and, and what your situation is and dealing with it in a healthy way. But that is all wrapped up in being able to sit down with yourself and, and be with yourself and accept yourself at just any given moment. It's, it's just all kind of variations on a theme uh, that it just explores in pretty much each, each and every scene. Yeah. Um, I will say... I. I did write this other lesson down at the end when he finally, you know, takes off his implant and and accepts it uh, because originally his choice seemed to be between hearing and being happy or, or not hearing and being miserable for the rest of his life. Uh, so I wrote, you know, a, a choice can seem like it's all or nothing, but there is a freedom in realizing that what seems like nothing can actually be all. Thanks for coming to Chuck's Poetry Corner again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but it, it's it's actually a really good point, and it's well said. Um, that's and that that's actually just there's nothing else to say about that. It's just it's all it's all in there. It's great. Well, thank um, you. Although, and now that but now that now that's taken my mind off of the there, there was oh uh, the the other oh, thing sorry. I was going to say. Yeah. That's okay. I I was listening to you. I was just trying to think of, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to say that I didn't actually write down. Um, and that was that while if, if you're able to like meditate or be mindful and take time to just kind of breathe and think about it, they, they, they'll tell you to like focus on your breath and focus on your heartbeat or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, but part of that mindfulness can really just be appreciating and not taking for granted the things you have, like appreciate that you have your sight and your, your hearing and you have the ability to walk. Like I try to think about that a lot of times, like of of the things that I'm very grateful for is that my body is able to do things like I'm able to walk a trail or run a trail or ride a bike, climb a mountain, you know, like I'm able to do that. I try not, I I try to be very grateful for that because it is the thing that makes me the happiest, like being, being able to get out there and do that. So that's one of the things I do try to focus on on a regular basis is that I'm lucky. I'm privileged to be able to do this. And I, and you know, like, and I feel like just being mindful of that can really just kind of trend you trend your thoughts in a good direction. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I do have those moments of appreciation every once in a while where, where I realize, like, I'm doing something that not everyone can do, and I don't know what it would be like to suddenly not be able to do it. So, yeah. like, you know, just that moment of, like, this is good. Uh, even if I'm doing something that I don't like, like, if you know, doing some sort of work or something, I'm like, but you know what? I can... And so I should appreciate that I can. Uh, it doesn't happen probably as often as it should, but I, I, it does happen and make me appreciative of, of what I have uh, every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, I've had knee tendons ripped and I've had, I've had, that. I've had my leg, like I've had both like sprained ankles and all of those things are, you know, some people would like to say, it's just life telling you to slow down a little bit. But, you know, for me, it's more about like, well, I really take for granted how easy that I just get up and go out and go for a walk or a run every day and or walk down the stairs or walk to the kitchen. Like it, it, it does make you take stock. I don't I don't believe in the mystical part of it, but I definitely believe like that it it is good in those moments to realize you have it pretty good on most days. Like if if you're if you're lucky enough to have your faculties with you and you know and and, and have mobility you're you, you know enjoy it while you while you have it and don't take it for granted because it won't always be there yeah um and i know you especially are prone to cabin fever so when, <laughs> when, when you do get injured and, and can't do those things i know it's, yeah. it's not particularly easy on you no i'm not fond of sitting in a chair all day <laughs> yeah I'm usually so. okay with it, but again, it, it's one of those little appreciation things where I'm like, but I want to go outside for a little bit and, and get that fresh air, Yeah, even if it's just a little stroll. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's good. I, I think there's there's a lot of poignant lessons in here that, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. It was nice to see it end on a, on the, on the note of acceptance and like, just see him kind of sit there and enjoy that scene. Like I, it's nice to see him see some stillness in his mind as well as, you know, everything else. Yeah. Um, and actually I, you know, when I finished watching the movie, I wasn't sure what I thought about it. It was, it was one of those movies where I was like, all right, it, this is good. I don't know if I enjoyed it, but <laughs> But after, well, because like in the end was like, it lost me a little bit in the end because it felt so different from like the previous hour uh, after he, he left Joe and, and went to Belgium, I guess it was, mm -hmm. and uh, everything like, and it was slightly melodramatic there. So I, I felt it, I, I was getting distracted a little bit, but after uh, talking with you, I think uh, I've learned to appreciate the movie uh, a lot more than I did what two hours ago when I finished mm. watching it. Well, good. I'm glad I, uh, I did, I did enjoy the ride that it took me on and just like the things it made me think about. And, the, and obviously the performances were great. So yeah, overall just really, really Riz Ahmed's face was great. Yeah. Riz Ahmed's face. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else. Me neither. Uh, cool. yeah, I just, now, now I get to think of, uh, a different character when I see Riz Ahmed, I don't just have to think of Rick in Nightcrawler. 
Yeah, and um, poor, uh, poor Rick. Or um, what was the show? The mini series. The night before. He was in? Yeah, that was great. Which I never saw, which is why I don't get to think of that. Really well done. That was on HBO though, right? So I, I have yes. HBO Max, so I should be able to watch that. Yeah, it's pretty short, and but it's but it's great. You won't you won't be disappointed. Um, if you uh, want to get in touch with us about some movies that you think we might like to watch uh, or some actors' faces we might like to see, you can uh, send us uh, an email over at imitatingart1 at gmail.com. And you can send us some information over on our socials at imitatingartpod on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And if you want to DM me some actors' faces so that I can enjoy them privately... Uh, you can do that at Big F and Moose on all the socials. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Don't Worry I'm Finite or YouTube.com slash Don't Worry I'm Finite. What do you want them to DM you? Uh, DM me your uh, login and password for HBO Now or Max, Max. or whatever the hell it's called now. Uh, <laughs> HBO Go. Send me your HBO Go passwords, not your usernames, just your passwords. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for sticking with us. Uh, it's been actual. Yeah, it's been real. Let's see you next Tuesday. And zippity doo dah. Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.